0: Hi, you guys want some cookies? 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 Cookies?
1: From the new garage. That's new with the new It's the Throwback Podcast, your guide to all music. For music lovers born in exactly 1980. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castron. Hey,
2: Bob. Hey, Dan. Here we are. We're back together. Together. There are not 3,000 miles between us.
1: Oh, and I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. One more moment.
2: Nope. I had to get back for you specifically, not the family. I was in trouble. Yeah. No, you needed me.
1: I was drowning without you. I could
2: hear it in your voice.
1: And you threw me a life raft or a life preserver. What's the thing with the hole?
2: (laughs) Not a raft. A raft with a hole would be pretty useless. No,
1: the thing. You know what I mean. Lifesaver? I don't know if that's it either.
2: I think it's a preserver. Life preserver.
1: It's kind of like the thing you put around your neck and buckle, though. (laughs) All right. If anybody knows what our We're not very
2: nautical. (laughs) I mean, that's ultimately the problem here.
1: Uh, Yes. This is our first show together in literally months. Yeah. And uh, we've done some shows remotely when Bob was in Atlanta, and I'm still here in L.A., um, but, uh, you know, some various life duties took us away from your ears, but now we're back.
2: Yeah. I came back. I was excited to go. And then you took off to Mexico without me. So there were just, you know, did
1: fronts. you expect me to take you to Mexico for my wife and I's 10th anniversary? Would have been nice. My wife
2: would have been nice. Didn't even get an invite.
1: I feel like you might've been a little third wheelie.
2: Nah, all the banging. I'm fun though. I am fun All the banging, all of it, Mexican banging.
1: <laughs> um what else Bob what else is going on
2: we saw gangs of youth together uh last week or two weeks ago did we ever we post this did we ever
1: now that worked out well
2: that was my first concert in years my first post-pandemic concert
1: I've been to so many you've been to so like, many yeah and I've had I've built up so many antibodies now that I'll live forever
2: <laughs> it uh, was incredible
1: but we met the lead singer
2: we did we got backstage. Like a couple of groupies,
1: like a like a Wayne's World scenario. I was thinking more
2: like almost famous, like Zoe Deschanel and uh, Anna Paquin.
1: Ah, one of those band aids. Yeah, we were band aids. Yeah, it was uh, it was one the of the most those...
2: disappointing band aids this band has ever seen.
1: <laughs> you know, the, our boy though, I think his name is David. Yeah, he didn't uh, he didn't seem disappointed to see us. So he's either, he's a great performer,
2: great performer, yeah. incredible performer. He's almost like if you found. If you got the guy from Future Islands and made him super cool. Yes.
1: I mean, the guy from Super... That's the only thing... The Future Islands guy would be the biggest pop star in the world (laughs) if he didn't look like the guy from Future Islands. (laughs) But uh, the guy from Gangs of Youths kind of has the whole thing. And Bob and I were like marveling at his stage presence as the show was going on. And then I got a tap on my shoulder, and it's a, a colleague at NFL... Network who works in the music Division that he's kind of like a scout For I don't know whatever His job I, I is. Assume, it sounds like a job we should have I
2: assume he's just the guy that's like let's Play Omaha as we go to commercial After Peyton Manning yells Omaha
1: Right exactly yeah. but since uh No one else likes no Omaha By County Crows anymore his job is to Find the music that people like that Cool people like right that's where a guy Being at the Gangs of Youth concert is and, and I've gotten to know him through work and he Tapped me on the shoulder. he's like do you want to meet him and it was very much an Alice Cooper and Wayne's World thing. It really was, yeah. We're
2: not worthy. <laughs>
1: We're scum. Um, but that was cool. And he was super nice. And we talked football. Mm-hmm. He's a big... Uh, he's a Raiders fan, but he identifies as a Boston sports fan, which we gave him some shit Yeah, for, he's a Red Sox amazing.
2: fan. So we uh, went back and forth with him on that. Oh, he, and he said... Yeah, oh, I was waiting for yes. you to remember this Thank moment. Thank you for this. Yeah.
1: Um, I told him what I thought, why I've really... Um, grown to really admire and enjoy their music is that there's an openness to the music and anthemic nature to the music, a heart on the sleeve, uh, not afraid to kind of reach for the back row of the arena type vibe, even when you're playing in a small theater like where we saw them. And I said, I'm a U2 fan. I'm a huge U2 fan since I've been 16 years old. And you're like the first band that I've gotten into. I'm like, this is a similar vibe. And he's like, "Thanks, mate." And and I was like, "I'm a big fan, big fan of U2." And I was like, "What's your uh, favorite U2 albums?" Now, if you're not a U2 fan, uh, this is gonna make less sense. But Bob, even with your basic knowledge of U2, this is gonna probably ring an alarm bell of like, "This is strange."
2: Completely glazed over as you're telling the story (laughs) about this.
1: Is a this is an important part? I say, "What are your favorite U2 albums?" Like, oh, mate, it's a tie between Boy, which is their 1980 debut, and All That You Can't Leave Behind, which is the 2000 comeback album nobody has that as their two favorite youtube albums he just nobody the,
2: the 20 years where youtube became the biggest band in the world and
1: then he uh and then he goes yeah and, and then i pointed to you and i said yeah this guy gives me shit all the time about being a U two fan just like you were just doing right now yeah yeah and uh he goes mate and he says it to me privately first he goes mate if you don't like youtube you're a fucking asshole.
2: I think he said fucking piece of shit. Oh,
1: you're a fucking piece of shit. And I yeah. said, tell him. Yeah. And he comes to you and he like hits you in the chest. Yeah. He repeats it. Mate, if you don't like you two, you're a fucking piece of
2: shit. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> that, was like. This guy is my hero. <laughs> moments at this came moments after he gave me like a big handshake hug because you told him you're like, this is my friend, Bob. He He introduced me to you guys like he's, you know, he's the reason like we're here and like I just he was like oh thank you so much like he knew I would like you guys because right. of you too so I got a big big thank you followed by uh, anybody who doesn't like yes. you too is a fucking piece of shit
1: yes his, and I told him I was
2: like well look you probably wouldn't like you too either if this guy was grabbing <laughs> you in bars at three o'clock in the morning and just pulling you aside to be like they're fucking the best every single day and time.
1: then he went he was like no seriously seriously <laughs> mate, you are a piece of shit yeah and then we just fought beat the fucking shit <laughs>
2: He's a big dude. It would not been have been too story. difficult for him. Yeah, it would have been.
1: And then two days later, there's a tweet from their Twitter handles like, we all have COVID. Concert in Las Vegas is canceled. Yeah. But I, I came out of it okay. How about you?
2: I am on track to be studied by the World Health Organization for my inability to get COVID. And I'm saying this right now with you. And uh, by the time this episode is posted, I'm sure I'll have COVID because that's how it works. Right. But... I had another close encounter recently that did not come out with me getting COVID. So I'm starting to think I'm superhuman.
1: I can't wait until they finally have the, um, advancements in scientific studies are like oh yeah if you masturbate twice a day you can't get COVID
2: if you were bar mitzvahed <laughs> in 1993 you're safe <laughs> what if that's what it is what if it's <laughs> like
1: because everyone all the people that haven't had code are very like puffing out their chest like, yeah, like, yeah I guess I can't get it I know and then they finally do reveal it it's like you uh if you ever like hit a kid with a car and then didn't go to the police <laughs> you couldn't get COVID
2: <laughs> If you still look up your high school girlfriend on Facebook, you can't get COVID. Can't get it. Yeah. You <laughs>
1: cannot get it. It's like, oh, no. Fuck. Uh, this is a countdown app. Good. I like it.
2: People like the countdown apps.
1: They're fun. You know why? You know why they're fun? Because we're tapping into the whole idea of this show is to go back in time and and see where we were, where the, where the band was, where the industry was, where the culture was, Bob, mm-hmm. when that album came out. When you have the countdown, it's like, ah, it's even a wider, what is it? A, a pana Panorama? Panacea?
2: Life preserver?
1: The placenta falls to the floor. <laughs> it's not that. Um, uh, you get a greater view of what was popular at that moment. So we're going back in time, 22 years in fact, to the last week in May of the year 2000. Yeah. Why is it always the year two thousand?
2: At some point, we have to stop that, right? Like, will our kids say the year two thousand?
1: Why are we so? Yeah, why are? Because we don't
2: we don't say nineteen we don't say the nineteen hundred.
1: We don't even see the year two thousand one, which you know put it on the board.
2: <laughs> I don't know what we're putting on the board. But I did I will.
1: some um, prep for this app, Bob, and uh, prep for the app.
2: Prep app. Prep prep prep. Yeah.
1: And there are s- multiple things that are going up on the board.
2: Okay, I'm excited.
1: Because this would absolutely qualify as a precursor to Tuesday.
2: Here we are, May 2000, a year and a few months away (laughs) from that beautiful morning, not a cloud in the sky.
1: I do like the people that are really, that really get it. They just call it Tuesday.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That Tuesday.
1: Not even that Tuesday. Just Tuesday? Tuesday. (laughs)
2: Tuesday.
1: So Tuesday hadn't come yet, um, uh, but... It was building. It was bubbling.
2: Building? The world. Put you on the board. <sighs> it
1: was building. It was a, uh, it was a towering achievement mm-hmm. um, in music. So we're going to go through the top 10 songs this week in the year 2000. But before that, Bob.
2: Top 10 modern rock songs or alternative rock songs.
1: Oh, is that what this is? We oh, finally that makes sense. we yeah.
2: finally found an alternative website to billboard.com that has the modern rock.
1: Uh, Fuck you, lists. Billboard! Yeah,
2: exactly. So we can we have a whole new area of uh, rock music to jump into now for the next ten years of this podcast. Thankfully,
1: cool. I glazed over there because they don't give a shit, and neither do I. Well, I
2: About do. The it,
1: source material. How we got the top. It was 10. a
2: great find because we've been we've been limited to top forties from billboard.com. But no, I found, I went onto the dark web and I found a whole new website that is a shiesty website. It is. It's probably all inaccurate too. It's probably,
1: it was like, do you agree to this, 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 and this? And you can see like the cookies invading. screen. (laughs) It's like, but we still, now we know what the modern rock charts look like in 2000. But before we get to the top 10, let's start Bob with, uh, one choice each for outside the top 10. And, uh, I'll go first here because I want, Again, I think it is what I love about the countdown episodes is it, it really does give you a real good above the treetops view of what people were into at this time, not just what we were into.
2: Yeah, the world.
1: And uh, you know what people were really into in the year 2000? What? A guy named Richie.
3: Yeah! And I'm set up and out <laughs> this stage with my own two hands. We've traveled this
0: land, packed Titan fans and all this for the fans, girls, money, and fame. I played their game, and at to scream my name. I was so no shame. Yeah. I live and die for this. <laughs> and if I come off soft, bitch, you on this? Are you scared? Yeah. Yes. Calls, and I'm back with the fever, and Ben David's 30 pack of straws, 30 pack of hoe. No road
3: gain in the pro pay flow.
0: Yeah! I'm Oh yeah,
1: Robert James Ritchie, known professionally as Kid Rock, Kid Rock, American singer, songwriter, and rapper. And this was kind of this was after his big breakout album, "Devil Without a Cause." This was the big single on the next album. Here's the chorus.
0: Hey,
1: hey! And I want you to hear at the beginning of the next verse, because this album was he was very he wanted everyone to know that he his varied influences that was who he was now. Yeah. And uh here we go. Fuck all y'all
0: Idiot I like Top. We'll see this <laughs> piece he's in the king's all rock. David Allen Coe,
1: with no Show
2: David Allen coe that's amazing. Is
1: he like a super racist guy?
2: I mean, I assume so. Yeah. Uh,
1: Limp, Limp and the Stones, Limp Bizkit and the Rolling Stones, back to back. That was considered <laughs> to be an avant-garde viewpoint on music at the time. That. Anyway, so this is from uh, his 2000 album, The History of Rock. It's also, it's also he lifted the the music from "Sad but True" by Metallica. Oh,
2: that really? I haven't even noticed that.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. So there it's you not go. even original. Right. Of course.
1: But it's like, he's like, oh, yeah, but I'm a hip-hop guy. So I so can I can, I can I sample. Here th- no, but that's not how rock and roll works. No, not at
2: all. You're just stealing. A
1: fucking idiot.
2: So don't, first of all, don't be so negative about our future president, Kid Rock. I don't it's, rule it out. Don't rule it out. Um, what would be worse, going to a Kid Rock concert where it's all rap or going to a Kid Rock concert where it's all his rock? What would be a worse experience? Definitely rap. I mean I I don't know I think that might be more fun Than hearing him do All Summer Long And like My favorite Kid Rock song With Sheryl Crow Picture But I think I'd rather go to one Where he's like The American badass Losing it Listen Granted Granted It's terrible But it might be more fun
1: Let me just say I don't like Kid Rock As a person I don't like his politics But You could You could talk me into Like checking out A few of these songs live Not that I would go to the show Right But Radio edit. Um, but, like, the, when he was a Detroit rapper, like, no, I don't need to hear any of that. No. With a flat top, like like the old school Kid Rock pictures. Yeah. This bit, Bob, this video features a cameo appearance by Ron Jeremy, a colleague of yours. Don't say that. You <clears throat> can't, don't say that. This is the last music video to feature Joe C, the little person, yep. before his death, so. Yep. So. And put it on the board, Bob. After the USS Cole bombing in October 2000, the song was played on the ship's PA system upon leaving the port of Yemen after the National Anthem and other patriotic songs were played. And you should know, Bob, that the USS Cole bombing was perpetrated by Al-Qaeda. Wow. Uh, a ramp up to Tuesday.
2: Here we go. That, de- that deserves a spot on the board. We don't have to still be listening to this underneath our conversation, do we? <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: You want to? So Ron Jeremy is in jail right now in Los Angeles County somewhere, I believe, unless he's out. No, on no, no
2: he's not out. You're right. Yeah, he's he's he, locked up. And I don't think he's ever coming out.
1: Ron Jeremy is a, um, within the industry, an iconic porn star. He was known as the Hedgehog. Um,
2: he was in porn movies in the 70s when porn was considered like this art, not art form, but it was, you know, they were making real movies and he was a movie star.
1: Right. He was a big deal and... Um, the Ron Jeremy you probably saw in the last 20 years or so is this heavy set guy, but he used to be a, you know, kind of a, how would you, swarthy, swarthy guy with a, a big honker. Right. And he,
2: had, he was, you know, the hedgehog. He was hairy. He had this moment in like the late 90s, 2000s where he was in the Sublime video for Date Rape. And he was in. Ironic. Ironic. And he would pop up in pop culture type stuff. Like on VH1, I'm sure he was on a bunch of VH1 right. type things because he was like the funny, gross porn star guy.
1: Yeah, I think he was on one of those surreal life seasons. Exactly. Uh, but also, it should be known that Bob, you have a tendency to work with disgraced uh, <laughs> let's entertainers. Not, let's not get into mine. And uh, Ron um, Jeremy, you worked with him for one day. Yeah. You want to quickly share your anecdote, your Ron Jeremy anecdote?
2: Yeah. I mean, we've done this before in the pot, I'm sure, but uh, that, we already made the rule. I know it's anymore. fine. So we were doing a web series. Do you really think Ron
1: Jeremy came up a separate time on the show? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't talk about too many different things. I feel like Ron Jeremy, we probably talked about him in half the episodes. But <laughs> we were doing a web series for SuperDeluxe.com back in 2007. And it was the first time we had ever come to L.A. So me, Jason Zumwalt, Brian Levin, we flew out to L.A. We stayed in the Oakwoods, which was this... Um, temporary housing for, like... Kind of famous. Pilot season. Yeah, famous within the industry. And uh, we were staying there, and we were casting this little web series, and we were just, like, cold calling any number that we could find to see if we can get people to be in it. That's how we met Dean Cameron, star of uh, Summer School, of course. Right. Chainsaw, right? Chainsaw. And uh, I had Ron Jeremy's number in my cell phone. Not disgraced, by the way. Yeah. Dean Cameron. I know. He's still safe. (laughs) But uh, somebody at VH1 had given me Ron Jeremy's phone number. So Brian just... (laughs) texted him, and it was like back in the day when it was like a big deal to have crazy phone numbers in your new cell phone, where sure. you're like, look at this, I have Snoop Dogg's number. Right. So Brian texted Ron Jeremy blind and was like, hey, doing a web series, you know, 500 bucks, are you interested? And Ron Jeremy was like, yeah, I'm da- I'm in, I'll be there. <laughs> so he shows up, a couple days later, he shows up at the Oakwoods, and we do this uh, web series called Doing His Best James Dean, which was like this ridiculous... Uh, I remember that James Dean was a little stiff. He was a was terrible, a terrible actor. Tough, tough. Dean Cameron called him a two by four. <laughs> um, but he had a red jacket. He had his own red he jacket. Looked like James Dean, he kind of looked like James Dean, and he, he had acted own,
1: like James Dean. But in 2007, but whatever. couldn't act right. Yeah.
2: Exactly. So the whole concept was James Dean didn't die. He flew into a wormhole and came back in 2007, and now he was trying to make it as an actor, but kept losing parts to Luke Perry and whatever. So um, Ron Jeremy I. was hey, Luke. Yeah. So Ron Jeremy, not my fault. I didn't do anything with that. So Ron Jeremy was there. Stop cursing everyone. For in the one industry. day, <laughs> I do.
1: All right, wrap up the Ron Jeremy story, Bob.
2: He was a lovely man. <laughs> he grossed everybody out a little bit, but uh, he was easy to work with. But the one—he
1: was a lovely man. He's like a serial rapist, allegedly. Turns out he's a yeah. serial
2: rapist, but he he didn't rape anybody that day. Well, at least good. at least on our set.
1: He didn't have the option to, potentially. <laughs> potentially. I He was a staple at the Rainbow Room on Sunset. And whenever I would have family in town, we'd go into Sunset and he would be there. And sure enough, he would be like way overly handsy with any girls that asked for photos. So none of that was right. surprising. And like, I think a lot right. of
2: the indictment, they talk about the Rainbow Room and Sunset strip antics. So there you go. Yeah, he's gone.
1: Here's your choice, Bob.
3: <coughs> wonderful. 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 Isn't
1: it wonderful? wonderful. wonderful. That cough is Bob, wonderful. not the wonderful. Wonderful.
2: song. Why, why are you writing me out? It could have been the song. Wonderful. It's definitely COVID.
1: <laughs> this song's really hard. Everything to Everyone is a song by Everclear. The alternative rock band releases the first single off their album So Much for the Afterglow in 1997. And it was a hit, Bob.
2: This is wonderful. This is wonderful.
1: Oh, this is wonderful? It <laughs> is. I get them confused, Bob. <laughs> this sounds
2: nothing like that other one.
1: you got to admit, they're all pretty similar. No,
2: this is nothing like Everything like to Everyone. the problem no that wasn't the problem there were other problems this, this is wonderful is, bob. this is wonderful
1: no this is everything no it's
2: not this is wonderful
1: that was not a bit by the way that was an honest mistake. i know it
2: was i could see it in your eyes <laughs> and that's what hurts even more
1: <laughs> i have to tell you bob um you're a much bigger Everclear fan than myself But I like several of their songs
2: I would say I'm a much bigger Everclear fan than most wow. <laughs> Not just you
1: <laughs> And uh, But I'll say this, uh, Bob There is a moment in this song And it's coming up in just a little bit That qualifies to me as the most Profound musical moment in their catalog Ooh. This song
2: Yeah, This I mean,
1: otherwise completely middle of the road
2: nope, nope, disagree dribble. I think this is a great song <laughs> And everything you just said is accurate Up until the dribble part
1: Um, There's a moment coming up that I think Is legitimately inspired Art Alexakis It was deep within him
2: Yeah, the guy was a poet
1: Uh, But here it comes I think this part of the song Moves me
2: This part right here, coming up?
1: Yeah, here it comes
2: Yeah, it's the best. It's so good.
1: And I have nothing else to add because all the notes I took for this were on Everything to Everyone. (laughs) But that statement holds.
2: I'd love to know what you think of Everything to Everyone. That's a great song, too.
1: That's exactly what I think about this song.
2: No, it's different. (laughs) So this was off their Songs from an American Movie Volume One Learning How to Smile. Yep released in 2000 I believe wow. which contains your most hated Everclear song of all times AM Radio. I mean
1: you can't defend that.
2: I you know what? If you back me into a corner, I'll defend it if I have to.
1: That's you know, that's like me defending Tech. You will because they're your guys. I don't
2: wanna, but I'll do it. You must
1: because someone must.
2: But I thought that was a big single. Might I don't know if it was their biggest, but that was a pretty big song in 2000. And like we say every time we cover any music from this era, Music was terrible in 2000. So anything that wasn't terrible, that came across the airwaves, you would latch onto extra sure. hard.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, let's move on now to the top 10. Let's get into it. Starting with a song that started a craze within alternative rock that we're still recovering from. It's the white guys doing rap songs, Ironically.
3: <laughs> Woke up quick
0: at about noon. Just yes, be in Compton soon. I gotta get drunk for the day begins. Before my mother starts bitching about my friends,
2: about to go and damn near went blind. Young <laughs> is on the path, throwing up gang signs. A win in the
1: house. That an bomb?
2: Yeah, it was an end bomb. <laughs> we have to police that. No, no, he they dropped it out. They did. I don't know who did, but that was an end bomb.
1: That wasn't dropped out. out. I thought it was
2: dropped out. Maybe I'm just so not racist I don't even hear it.
0: I the play. <laughs> I <laughs> Alright, so
1: this is Dynamite <laughs> Hack. They were a completely unknown band out of Austin, Texas. Never knew they were out of Austin, Texas. Never knew. I also, I'm not. Well, I am a little bit ashamed. I just didn't know that this was an N.W.A. song when it came out. I didn't know initially. I didn't know the backstory. Things weren't as readily available as they are now, and I was just like, "Oh, this is a cool song." And right. Listen to the lyrics. Uh, but it, yes, it's a very, very, very famous and influential N.W.A. song, "Boys in the Hood," and they did it, and it and it paved the way for 20 years of just awful acoustic rap covers. I could say I'll say this, but dynamite hack walked, so Benfolds could run. Like I knew a you were pansy. gonna. I
2: knew you were gonna bring this around. Yeah, to ben
1: Fucking Folds. pansy!
2: I didn't know which one of my uh, my boys you were gonna attack. If it was gonna be Benfolds or Weezer, but I feel like you could have gone after either of them. In Do that you know moment. the
1: ben Folds story? I know you know the cover he does. Yeah, of course. Which one is it?
2: The the hip hop cover that yeah. he does. I mean, he's done a few, but there was that no. One. No, there was
1: one that he did it, and at first it was a fan favorite, and then times changed and he started getting food. Yeah. and uh, I blocked that
2: out from my memory. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, though.
1: Anyway, none of that would have happened if we just would have went back and killed oh, Dynamite when, Hack.
2: I mean, just think about all of the different, like, Hey Ya covers that came out that were slow and acoustic in the mid-2000s, or ludicrous covers from white guys in coffee houses. The whole genre spawned from the song. So thank you, Dynamite Hack.
1: Uh, here's a... <laughs> Here's a quote from Dynamite Hack frontman, Mark Morris. I think he does a Blackbird thing here at the end, too. All
2: right. Ben Folds was Bitches Ain't Shit. Right. That's it. Punk
3: ass but
1: it's all right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I see the humor in it, but also, again
2: video they were all like preppies walking around a mansion uh this was a big napster song for me i remember just getting this on napster and being like
1: yeah right when people are like everyone says the 90s are so ironic this is as like hammer on the head as you could possibly be right like this acoustic um alternative rock band indie band doing this hardcore rap song anyway this is uh mark morris uh the singer of dynamite hack some people tell me i'm a genius that I'm forcing white America to listen to the problems of black America. That I'm tricking them into listening to a song by putting it to this sweet music. Honestly, I really didn't think about it that much. If someone, if you're giving a <laughs> quote and you're saying some people tell me I'm a genius, I don't take your word for it. Oh my God. I do not take your word for it.
2: You should start, you should adopt that move and just talk about <laughs> Like when you talk about the podcast and stuff, just be like, "Yeah, around the NFL, you know." Some people tell me I'm a genius in terms yeah, of hosting. I, just, I don't know, but I don't listen to that. It's a
1: bit of a la raviol magnifico.
2: It's sacrilege. If
1: you saying someone, oh, I've been told I'm a genius, but I don't know. I don't look at it that way. I'm just a regular old guy.
2: I'm sure if you dug into, <laughs> I'm sure if you dug into Dynamite Hack interviews, you'd find something where this guy was like. Yeah, that was just like a one-off thing, but that doesn't really like show the world who we are. Like we're so much more than that. And then we never heard from them
1: again. Exactly. You never heard from Dynamite Hack ever again. Uh the Village Voice by the way in a somewhat recent, I believe, countdown of the worst songs of the 2000s. Uh or what was it? The worst song couldn't it be the 2000s. Could oh, it was cuz yeah. it 2000s. Yeah. Um worst song it's in the 50 worst songs category. Now, I think that's because times have changed so much and also what it spawned in terms of yeah. just uh, nerdy, nebbish people like Ben Folds thinking this is funny and cool and ironic.
2: Ben Folds probably did it before Dynamite Hack.
1: No. Yeah. Nobody did it before Dynamite Hack. <laughs> ben Folds it can't... Listen, I like Ben Folds, but this one, he's got to take an L on this one. No,
2: no way. I'm. You know what? Now you're going to make me open up my computer so I could find out. I... I would bet that Benfold was doing it before Dynamite Hack scored a hit. I
1: wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't want you to open up your computer during the show, Bob. No, okay. do any research. No, but no, I won't. Here we go. I won't, then. Let you know what we need. We need a little palate cleanser. Let's get some angst in here. Let's get some fucking steroid use and dicks out in the locker room. Cut my life into pieces. Yes, ah, yes. You know! Stop, Stop him know. with the towel.
0: Tackle them. him, dude.
3: <laughs> this is my last
1: reason Can I tell you something up? I loved this song when it came out And I actually love it more now <laughs> Yes I think this is a great rock song I don't disagree I reach <laughs> my left resort Suffocation,
0: no breathing Don't give a fuck if I cut my arm
3: bleeding Do you even care if I die bleeding? Would it be wrong, would it be right? Ever took my life tonight <laughs> Shit, you did a damn New Nutilation at
1: Last resort is a song by the American rock band Papa Roach. First appeared on the soundtrack to the 2000 film Ready to Rumble, starring.
2: Scott Kahn.
1: David Arquette. And Scott Kahn. uh, Arquette's above the line.
2: Oh, come on. So, Scott Kahn.
1: Kahn's below the title. Come
3: on. And
1: appeared on Papa Roach's second studio album, Infest. Shortly thereafter. Uh, Lead single reached number 57 on the top uh, U.S. Billboard 100 in December 2000. Topped the Billboard Modern Rock charts for seven weeks. So I'm thinking we're catching this either on the way up or on the way back. And it became a top ten hit in Austria, Germany, Portugal, and the United Kingdom. And it's about suicide. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not like suicide's cool.
2: No, no, you're, we're not endorsing that.
1: I think he's about to just is like whisper into the
2: screen, <laughs> which like was it. big at the turn of the century. People loved whispering.
1: Alright, here
2: we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's I mean it's great and it really if you want to like if you're making a movie that you need to transport somebody back to two thousand, this is the song you use. It was also the song they used in Silicon Valley for the du- for the douchebag billionaire when he starts up his like Maserati, this is the song that starts blasting out. I think he also uses I alone. I alone was yeah, the other one, yeah, which is perfect. Perfect, as well. perfect every time. So
1: I understand this is a bro song. Yeah. But not all bro songs are created equal. Like you could easily in that same flashback. Put, have Nookie on in the background, right. and, and achieve your goal. But what if you like? Well, what about a song we all kind no, of? No, but like? like,
2: Limp Bizkit carries a lot of baggage with them. Yeah. This is like Papa Screaming
1: <laughs> I think there was a ceiling for this genre of new metal. And this is right about at the ceiling, in my opinion.
2: You know what I like? I like that about our podcast. I like that there are definitely people listening that are like rolling their eyes and kind of disgusted at us that we're both like, yeah, we kind of like this one. Because, of course, it's a piece of shit, but we fucking lived through it and it was good. Lived through this. It was good at the time, like comparatively, and it still kind of holds a special place in our black, black hearts.
1: Can I tell you it's not even my favorite Papa Roach song? <laughs> I know. Like you're Kind of a Papa Roach fan. <laughs> you go
2: a little deeper. That's, now that's a problem.
1: Do you remember Scars? Can I be fixed I don't. Oh, but at least I can say I tried.
3: I'm sorry, but I gotta move on with my own life. <laughs> I
2: don't think I know this song I at all.
3: Wow Wow myself <laughs> <past> <laughs> my can't much the
2: I don't remember this at all, but it's really good.
1: This, the scars, Papa Roach's first and only top forty hit.
2: Wow, at
1: number fifteen. What?
2: I missed this entirely. This is
1: during Bob's, I think, low east side era, where you kind of like, I don't listen to mainstream. What rock. year?
2: Wait, what year was this in the top fifteen?
1: I think it's in the mid aughts. Oh, forget it. Yeah,
2: then. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Papa Roach, <laughs> big
1: fan. I think that song's about suicide too. Probably. It's got to be, it's a. It's kind of a tough needle to thread when every song's about suicide. Is
2: Papa still with us? Oh, Papa. I'm, I'm asking. If all of his songs are about suicide, he it's has, a fair question to ask. He has dealt
1: with mental health issues. Okay, but is he okay? Uh, Scars was written about a friend. Thank you very much. Okay. Maybe. Or him. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. One was about him. One was about a friend.
2: Okay. I'm just trying to look out for Mr. Papa. I don't
1: think you're looking out for him at all. I, I think can't. you're trying to mock him for his... Taking these things that he, he dealt with in his life that are, by the way, highly relatable <laughs> and turning them into music that people could, you know, come together with.
2: I'm pro Papa. Don't don't turn me against Papa.
1: Uh, I could be pro me. these guys. Here we go. <laughs> Get ready, Bob. This is one of two songs on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack on this countdown.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and also, the second time I think we've listened, or third time, we, there was maybe an album we did, and two times they showed up in the number one songs.
2: Right. Basically. That makes sense.
1: So Fred Durst is back in our lives. The main riff, of course, is from the original Mission Impossible theme. Here we go. All the tension in the
0: world today. All the little girls filling up the world today. With the good com- like a should now all the critics want to hit it You shit can and we did it just because they don't get it but i'll stay fit new era committed now this red cap gets a rap from these critics
1: and do we always got to cry <laughs> this
2: song is so shitty
1: take a look around it's called. <laughs> the song became a european hit oh man so it's not purely an american okay problem. good good European hit mid-2000, reaching number one in Iceland and Portugal, number two in Finland and Spain, number three in Italy and the UK. Yeah, like the biggest band in the world.
2: Little I was... Would... Oh, this part. I know, I know why you want to hate me.
1: I know why you want to hate me. Because hate is all the world has even
0: seen lately. I know why you
1: want to hate me. Clearly tapping into something in the zeitgeist. You got it. Fred was not a dummy. He knew that this is the type of music... Young white men wanted to listen to. Yeah, you got to give them that at the very least. No, of course he was I mean serving up what was wanted.
2: This whole genre was just about.
1: We weren't angry white men, young white men.
2: No, I don't think I'd ever describe you or me as angry.
1: And I think that's good because I don't think it's a good place to be. Um, and I think that explains why we didn't get sucked in, in part. Also, the music was
2: really <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they would have made really compelling music that was uh, easy to listen to and it was angry, then maybe I could have uh, been pulled into the web. But right. no, this was easy to not fucking like because it's bad.
1: This song actually was nominated for a fucking Grammy. <laughs> oh, no. For best hard rock performance, but it lost the Gorilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine
2: a much better, good, a oh, way better song. I would say that his flow in the song Dan is most similar <laughs> to his flow in the not saying flow in the in the Tuesday uh, What's Going On. Oh tribute. really? Doesn't does it trading? kind of remind you? Why gonna lie? You only want to die. Like,
1: yeah, that was kind of his, it's like a sing song. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's his flow. Did very good, Bob. Uh, bars talking about just bars. Dropping, dropping bars obviously right, like the video i did there's some great research good search here all right the video for the song directed by fred durst He's
2: director a, he is a director yeah
1: he hated it so much that he ensured that it was rarely shown in the united states and the band decided to release the video only in various markets outside the u.s and it is not available on either the DVD of Mission Impossible 2 or the band's DVD compilation, Greatest Videos, with a Z. So of course, immediately I sought out YouTube. Right. And there it was. Like yanked from a much music uh airing years and years ago. And it is bad.
2: It's what really makes it bad. what makes it bad?
1: Um, it's got that it's got that early two thousands quality where it's a summer video release. Tied to a movie, blockbuster movie. So Uh they're trying to tell a story and then weaving in some um, clips clips from MI2. Uh, But the story is about Limp Biscuit heading into this diner to try to get a uh, compact disc from these secret agents. And they cook up all these schemes and put themselves in different outfits. And then it's really clunky and choppy and pretty embarrassing. They come off as tools. And even Fred Durst was able well, again. Fred Durst, not a dummy, right? He he made the video, so you can't credit him too much. But then he was like, "This makes us look like tools." Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna strike it from the record, but that's not how the internet works, Bob.
2: <laughs> look, so, I mean, sometimes it's hard to be a director. Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes you put your bandmates in funny costumes. Sometimes you work with Ron Jeremy, who's gonna die in jail. Like <laughs> you never know, as a director, what's gonna happen. <laughs> Nice, Sweetheart
1: Please tell me You can put up the photo On Twitter <laughs> nope, Of you and no. Ron Jeremy I actually took that photo Down
2: <laughs>
1: You guys It's you and Ron Jeremy Making phallical um, references
2: Yeah that was like His bit Where he would be like Put your fingers up And do it like Far apart And then he'll put his fingers up And put them close together So it's like I have a bigger penis Than Ron Jeremy
1: Alright
2: here's Very funny Here's
3: Sour Girl By <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots. She was <laughs> a girl
1: Check out the video, though. I will. If for no reason that Fred Durst doesn't want you to check out the video. Yeah, exactly. And we will post that on the Throwback Podcast Twitter
3: feed.
0: Is
1: there another viral video out there of Fred Durst? And Scott Stapp relieving receiving Felicio from two women and like high fiving back. Yeah, that somewhere. was a
2: that was one of those uh sex tapes that <laughs> That's a bad sex tape. Yeah, I've never seen that one. But I know it exists.
1: Alright, here we go. You know, this is one of those songs, Bob, that you hear a million times and then you don't know what it's about. But I want you to listen to the lyrics here, okay? There
3: we go.
1: So, this from Scott Weiland, rest in peace. The ransom note he refers to in that line, of course, was the fortune our divorce was costing me. And the happy state, which I presumed Janina's mood was because she had finally rid her life of a man who had never been faithful. Sour Girl is about his ex-wife and his divorce. And it was also the only Stone Temple pilot song from their final hurrah release, number four, to reach the Billboard Hot 100 peaked at 78. Uh And for Bob, private, alone in his room with the door locked, uh, category information. A music video was released and stars Sarah Michelle Gellar.
2: Yeah. That was a fan the, of
1: the band. She's the female lead.
2: That's what this song is about for me is the Sarah Michelle Gellar music video.
1: She was at the time a huge star with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Cruel Intentions, I Know What You Did Last Summer, that horror movie. Anyway, it peaked at number four and uh, I like this song.
2: Yeah, I like the song.
1: I mean, it, it's probably outside my top ten of STP songs, but I think it, if you followed their career as we did, um, in real time, um, it didn't stack up to some of the great songs that like "Core" and "Purple" or even Vatican. "Big Bang Baby." Big Bang Baby. Uh, Matt Money Smith says that's the worst song they ever put out. Really? I heartily disagree. Yeah, yeah. Love Big Bang Baby, uh, but this was you know worthy of a greatest hits compilation, which it showed up on eventually. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of it for them as a radio force. Uh, Wyland was found dead on his tour bus. December 3rd, 2015 48 years old, Bob We're not that far away Damn. Well, kind of far away But not too far Not away. too far He was one of the uh, He was one of our Great rock stars, Bob
2: I mean, he was always in. He was always a story He was one of those Captivating front men That For better and worse He was Making rock and roll interesting, he was in the news for getting. Yeah, game. he was dangerous. He was dangerous. He Should was kidding. not
1: be forgotten that Scott L- Weiland was one of our great rock stars.
2: He got busted for buying heroin in a parking lot in Pasadena, right down the road from where I live. So fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, heroin probably
2: was the reason he died later, but right, so not, not less as awesome, awesome. Less awesome also also like a hot rock star. He was a hot dude. That's what
1: I mean. Like yeah. we need to understand that he had incredible uh, uh charisma.
2: Oh, uh, they're going to say abs or cheekbones.
1: Uh he was skinny. That's all you really need. From again from the heroin probably. Skinny. Right. Good cheekbones. He had his hair, he had like he had angular features. He dressed cool. He wore leather pants. Right. And uh he had cool songs and his band was
2: good. And just to go on record with the setup that you threw my way at the beginning of the song, uh, this was not a music video that uh, I ever pleasured myself to. Because if you've ever seen the video, it's weird as fuck, and there's like these weird teletubby. It's just Scott people.
1: Weiland writhing around like a snake.
2: Yeah, yeah, but Sarah Michelle Gellar is there, and at the time, anything Buffy-related was a okay in my book. So I definitely watched it every time it was on. Yeah, but that was about as far as I got with
1: it. We were so Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the late '90s, like '97, when it came out. Was a popular show immediately amongst teenagers. But for us, oh. she became the center of the universe and the number one girl out yeah. there. So when Cruel Intentions came out mm-hmm. and we were all sitting in the theater together watching it, a little bit weird on retrospect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when she was writhing on Ryan Phillippe and was like, you could put it anywhere. Like, yep. We were all like sitting next to each other. Mm hmm. A little weird.
2: It was weirder that our dicks were out. But yeah, it was weird.
1: Man, that was really weird.
2: That was weird. Yeah. I, so the theater I, was crowded. At the Pearl River Central please. Twin Theater?
1: Will the real Slim Shady please stand up?
0: I repeat. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? We're going to have, a, gonna have here. a problem here. You never seen a white person before. Jaws all on the floor, like pan, like Tommy, just burst in the door. We started whooping her ass first than before. They first were divorce, sewing her over furniture. <laughs> it's the return of the Oh wait, no, wait, you're kidding. He didn't just say what I think he did, did he? And Dr. Dre said, Nothing, you idiots. Dr. Dre's dead, he's locked in my basement. <laughs> Feminist women love him and take <laughs> Chicka 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 slim shady I'm sick of him Look at him Walking around Grabbing his you know what Flipping the you know who Yeah but he's so cute though Yeah I probably got a couple of screws Up in my head loose But no worse than what's going on In your parents' bedrooms Sometimes I wanna get on TV And just let loose But can't But it's cool for time green To hump Best part here. My mama's is point. on your lips My mama's is on your lips And if I'm lucky You might just give it a little kiss yes. And that's the message That we deliver to little kids And expect them not to know What a woman's clitoris is Of course they're gonna know What in
1: the course is A lot is of points being made here.
2: Any, <laughs> I mean, any rap song that references the Bum Bum song is A plus in my book.
1: The Real Slim Shady, the first single off the iconic Marshall Mathers LP in 2000, released a lead single a month before the release. Here's the I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real shady, or oh, you are the Slim Shadies so
0: are just imitating. So the real Slim Shady, please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. Cause I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real shady, all oh, you other Slim Shadies so are just imitating.
1: Here's something that's stunning to me, Bob. It's the first song to reach number one for Eminem in the United Kingdom. I love this song. Peaked at number four here. How is this not the number one song? I'm shocked. This I would have guessed is, it was the number one song for two months. This took
2: over the world when it came out.
1: It was huge. That's why you can't. It's not always incredibly accurate to just This line too, chart. this line. Who she gave head to first. Big deal. Bitch yeah cute yeah, but I think he's to Kim <laughs> <laughs> I said
0: a um, yo, so
1: this is I think Eminem is still like the biggest singular pop artist <laughs> in our lifetime in terms of like what his impact was how huge he was what how he dominated the conversation how successful he was how omnipresent he was I know he maybe hasn't aged as well and now he's maybe not seen at the same level as an all time MC. That's not really for us to, to discuss or we could try and try to yeah. trick people. But yeah. So that's a whole separate conversation. But I'm just talking about what his impact was at the moment. I remember the single came out. Just being like... I remember being in Pearl River and driving to the track at Pearl River High School and it coming on in my Ford Escort. I was like, about to get out of the car. And I was like, nope, I gotta listen to this. Yeah. And just listening to the song and just being like, holy shit, this song is about to take over the world.
2: Yeah, and it And it it was when TRL was the biggest thing in the world. So the music video was on constantly. And it was a great music video. And I think you could probably point to this. If you look at like Billboard and you look at popular music... There was a transition at a certain point where it went from being rock music to pop music to hip-hop. I think Eminem is the one that did that. I think he was the one that brought the suburbs over to hip-hop.
1: Fully, yeah. Other artists had, you know, crossed over, but he made it accessible in a way that was... And his skin color obviously played a huge of course, part of it, obviously. But he didn't. He was never, and he still isn't, like viewed as Vanilla Ice or anybody else. That or was dynamite,
2: as... or my favorite rapper's Dynamite Hack.
1: Dynamite Hack, of course. Right. Uh, he was the real deal, and and he was unique and interesting. And this song is not like a piece of art, but it's it's like an artifact of the era that is a perfect. What was the biggest thing in two thousand? was Eminem, yeah. and it was this song. Yeah. And that album, that whole album. Crazy.
2: Well, you know, it's like that thing when you talk to somebody just about like 30 rock comes to mind. It's like a show where it's like, Oh, does that hold up? Cause I know there were a lot of like topical references and it's like, no, if you watch it, it still holds up. Like, that's what this song feels like to me where it's like, yeah. Like if you were there, you get all of the references to Will Smith at the time and Christina Aguilera and Fred Durst. It's like, yeah, there are a lot of these like little 2000 references, but the song itself still holds up.
1: I totally agree. Um, And this is also, like, in terms of the uh, background of the song. It was one of those stories, and you've heard it forever. You heard it once upon a time with Bruce Springsteen, where he turned in Born in the USA, and they're like...
2: Where's the single? Where's the single? Yeah.
1: And there's a ton of singles on it, but they didn't hear the lead single. Yep. That's what he got uh, when he turned it into Jimmy Iovine, and uh, he created The Real Slim Shady. Amazing. So I guess the lesson... Is that the evil uh, record company guys, they're very wrong most of the time. But when they send you back to make one more song, if you're at your zenith creatively, right, it might actually inspire you to make your best song ever. Which,
2: when I become like the head of a record label, that's going to be my move regardless of the album I get. Exactly. What do you have to hurt? lose? What do you have to lose? Send them back. Make one more song.
1: How could it hurt? Like if maybe they turn in a pile of pig shit. You know Don't what? Put it on the album.
2: Be uh, yeah, exactly. Like be mad at me while you're doing it. But if that inspires greatness, I did it. Exactly. That's that's what I was like as a uh, soccer coach to six year olds. Where I was like, you might hate me, but I'm going to push you to just give a little more. And uh, did you
1: really push a bunch of eight year olds? They were si-
2: They were six then. Six. Some of them were five. And yes, I did.
1: Wow, that's really risking it in a small town, Bob. <laughs> All right, so 109876. That, that was 5, so that was number 5, Bob. Uh, this next song completely baffles me, Bob. Oh. I don't I've never heard it. Oh. I know the artist. Okay. It's Bad.
2: Bad by Michael Jackson?
1: It's so much worse than Bad by Michael Jackson. It's Leader of Men by Nickelback.
2: Oh
0: fuck
1: these guys
2: Wait, is so, this before they were yeah it's famous. before how like, i how you remind yeah me, yeah which
1: just doesn't make any sense um so do you agree that Eminem is the single biggest pop music sensation of our lifetime?
2: Well, we need, we've been alive a long ass time, so that's tough. Cuz uh, then you start asking like pop music, well, well what was Michael it? Jackson
1: was bigger, well, but that was all, he was around in the 70s, so he just kind of went next level. Michael Jackson, but really I'm counting for us like 92 to present.
2: 92 to present? Yeah, I mean who's in the conversation? It's Britney, it's Beyoncé, it's insane. Timberlake. I would say Timberlake specifically, Beyonce, more than anything, yeah. right? And then Eminem, Ben folds.
1: But I, the reason why I think Eminem's the winner is because he moved the needle in a way that was different.
2: Like no, he, I don't. Yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah, I think everybody else was kind of excelling in their genre, and I do think Eminem is what white America needed to make rap the number one music uh, form in our country.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And it, remember the, I think his the apex of his fame was when Marshall Mathers LP was the biggest record in the country, and then when the MTV Video Music Awards yes. still mattered, yep, he performed. It was either the, the opener or the closer, and all the the hundreds of people that were wearing him, yeah, yeah, of Marshall Mathers came out, and uh, that was kind of like his height. Like he would never be that famous again and that successful again.
2: At some point when are we gonna get the oral history of I was one of the Marshall Mathers guys from the VMAs? Like when is Vol Oh yeah, when is that. when is Vulture gonna track down all two hundred of them and have them like talk about their experience? They either need
1: Eminem to turn fifty or to die. <laughs> You're right. One of those. Or that album to turn twenty five or something. There you go. Anyway, this is Leader of Men.
2: So Never they, heard this before This is
1: very weird So How You Remind Me is the song we all Of course Most of us see as the breakout song for Nickelback But Definitely. apparently they had a top five modern rock hit uh, On their previous album How You Remind Me uh, Bob, remember I hinted there are some things related to Tuesday Right How You Remind Me wasn't released until May 2001 Ahead of the Tuesday release of Silver Side Up
2: Different. So same on Tuesday. Tuesday. Came out on Tuesday. the Tuesday. Round. No,
1: there's just one Tuesday.
2: Well, I, I mean, albums came out on Tuesdays, so I, I just no, wanted this to make... one. Came yeah, out on no, Tuesday. on Tuesday, capital T. Tuesday, yeah. T. <laughs> okay. No, all caps.
1: <laughs> With uh, italics on each side. Tuesday.
2: Slammer. <laughs> mm, Two us be respectful. Back. Let's Let's be back. respectful. Back. Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, so <laughs> just listen to that. Bob. Period. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I have nothing. Else. The song is completely forgettable. And I don't even: I, don't know I already about forgot it.
2: I don't want to ever hear it again. I never heard it once. I've never heard that song.
1: All right. I'm going to give you the choice, Bob. Not really. But I'm going to tell you of the, there's, the next song is either going to be about another suicide song okay, or another Mission Impossible 2 song.
2: Well, I know for a fact, because you said there were two Mission Impossible 2 songs. So I'm actually going to say both.
1: You only get suicide <laughs> And I don't think You should laugh About suicide, by suicide. I'm not li- No I'm laughing, laughing about Our Incredibly Real pertinent issues I'm Laughing so. about Our
2: idiotic podcast I'm not laughing About suicide
1: I never thought i die alone Shame I on you Buck. Got your ass I got me Cancel your Motherfucking ass
0: No wonder It was never Plugged in at all I took my time Choice was mine I didn't think enough I'm too depressed to one you'll be sorry
3: when I'm gone
1: I always found the song like even as a 1920 year old very depressing uh, because the video again this is when T- uh, TRL was at its height so all these things were connected the song was very on the nose about right loneliness and teenagers struggling with depression uh, and the song was intended to inspire hope to those struggling with depression but it encountered controversy when a student of Columbine High School died by suicide with the track playing on repeat oh, in God. 2000 so it's a bit of a heavy song with a heavy history right really uh, but for them the band uh, this is kind of a uh, I wouldn't say it was uh, them being overly shrewd because they didn't want to put it on the album because I thought it just didn't fit in with the rest of enema of the state
2: I wonder why they would think that
1: but it did show to me and I think a lot of other people like okay there's something else to this band it's not just all,
2: right, it's not jokes all dick and jokes and salt penis right, jokes right,
1: right. rock so that's my thoughts on the song kind of in totality okay it showed another side of the band, which they would actually explore as they went on. And I thought they got better and better as a band until so they broke up. Mm. You don't agree with that? I sure. They had some really good songs in the later albums.
2: Maybe I don't know. I don't think about Blink One Eighty Two. You were
1: on the lower East side. It's like, oh, Blink One Eighty Two. Talk to the teens about that.
2: I just, I don't know. I mean, we did bis- go to a Stella Star concert. <laughs> I'd rather listen to Stella <laughs> Star. We we did this album. I'm sure we no, talked. No, we did we didn't do Animal no. of the State. No way. No, we did. We did nah. do Animal of the State. We did not. All right, maybe we didn't. I don't know. No, nah, you're right. Probably.
1: didn't. <laughs> I honestly have no idea if we did it. No, we did. No, we didn't.
2: <laughs> There's no <laughs> Tweet way. Tweet us know. if we did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't.
1: Uh, all right. Let's see. Now, do you want? To, <laughs> now, I'm, do you want to hear the other? Oh, uh, yeah,
2: I do. But real, I'm really glad that we're rebranding um, Tuesday. Because I've always felt like America, we're really bad at naming things. So, Mm -hmm. like, I never really... What's an
1: example of a bad name that America gave? COVID-19. We did that?
2: I mean, don't you think America could have, like, grabbed that and been like, it's the new, you know, fucking scary ass disease that's taken over like,
1: well, like the monkey virus or whatever. like mo- thing? monkey
2: you pox know? is like a little too ridiculous it's it's more fun yeah it's ridiculous though you can't take it seriously right but i feel like COVID 19 or first remember we were like is it coronavirus or is it COVID 19 right we had to take a little while to settle then we settled on COVID 19 kind of wordy you know Who's we
1: we we settled we on as COVID-19. a society we
2: settled on COVID 19 i think same,
1: coronavirus is still getting some pop
2: same goes for september 11th i feel like it was the first Pitch in the meeting yeah. like let's call it September 11th done I feel like we could have done better with that well, so I think you know what are you pro 9-11 do you like that name
1: I mean you're asking me if I'm pro 9-11 just go on record are you pro no, 9-11 I, I believe that you're setting me up to be canceled. <laughs> I won't take the bite <laughs> but I will tell you that Tuesday was a very difficult day for this nation
2: yeah and that's why I think Tuesday's a better name you're pro not,
1: not everybody gets to say what Tuesday
2: no You, you have, have to, to be
1: know. a real one Like we're real ones We're real <laughs> Other people They have to go more um, They have to go <laughs> <laughs> Other people have to be more By the book on it Yeah But people that are In the know
2: Yeah Just do that. Tuesday Tuesday
1: Alright here we go <laughs> The second song Of the MI2 soundtrack I really
2: thought I was going to get you to, to admit you were a Pro 9-11 <laughs> This was the
1: Mission uh, This was the Mission Impossible sequel I've never seen Any of the movies but this is the one where in the trailer, Tom Cruise had the sunglasses on and then he threw the sunglasses in slow motion and they exploded. The sunglasses, oh, yeah. After they gave him an instruction. Yes. That's the only thing I know about the franchise. <laughs> here
3: I go now, here I go
1: Here's all you need to know about I Disappear, Bob. Besides the fact that it was a... Uh, Man, I watched a lot of MTV back then. It was a Making the Video entry.
2: Oh, yeah. And
1: it was a bonkers video where they spent a ton of money. It was kind of a cool video. Uh, But here's all you need to know about. Um, The song's leak on the file-sharing service Napster prompted the band to sue the service. There you go. This was the song.
2: Put this on your board.
1: It's on my motherfucking board. Yeah. Because I downloaded Fuel and got kicked off Napster. I was one of the first people. I'm lucky I didn't get sued. Yeah. I think I was in Lars's Crosshairs. <laughs> and I'll never forgive Metallica because I only had one song by Metallica. And, but this is the song that did it. Wow. I love alt Metallica.
2: Right. I love short, short hair Metallica. I
1: love Reload. I love this song, the covers album, the haircuts. Yeah,
2: you love the haircuts. You love haircut Metallica.
1: Haircut Metallica was the one that all real Metallica fans hate it like Justin in the baseball locker room
2: you love when they got the Metallica
1: Metallica (laughs) I love all this shit I like this song
2: I don't hate this I don't love it I don't hate it
1: again within the within the context of what was popular I'm giving I'm giving them some pop
2: it's so funny because once you say it's from Mission Impossible 2, I could only see it in the context of a Tom Cruise movie. and With oh, sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think if I would hear this song differently if I didn't immediately picture Tom Cruise. I can
1: picture it, Heffield and Lars watching a pre screening really closely and taking yeah. serious notes right. for the lyrical concept. Sipping a cappuccino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so remember I had a, a mo- profound Everclear moment? Yeah. One of my favorite Metallica moments in the history of their catalog. Coming from a real Metallica fan. Metallica fan. Metallica fan uh, is coming up here.
2: Wow. You ready? Yeah.
1: Listen to this fucking shit that Rocks, bro. Let's
3: go! Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's
1: great. that uh, rock. So this led to the Napster legal proceedings. Didn't work, guys. It actually kind of messed up your career substantially.
2: Yeah. I would say so.
1: I don't think they ever all the way recovered for a lot of people.
2: No, just hanging over them for a while. You
1: can't sue. For everyone, especially youth culture, this was a... Groundbreaking moment where you could strike back at the record industry that was charging you eighteen dollars for one song you liked, right? And then we cracked the code, and like Sean Fanning cracked the code. We know, just at uh, Northeastern, yep. And things were just going off on college campuses. And then here comes like forty-seven million in the bank, Lars Ulrich, at forty-four years old. Like, stop all the fun. <laughs> we're suing all of you. Yeah, they were like the deans, basically, or the uh, RA. Yeah, they like were like in.
2: Jeremy Piven in old school.
1: Good call. Right. All right. Coming up next. Here's the, that was number three, Bob. Now, number two. Now, this is the type of shit that I just totally opted out of. Okay. Um, I kind of know this song only because I, I listened to the radio a lot back then, uh-huh. but this was definitely a song. I always change the station. So I've never heard the song. Called. Okay.
2: I don't even know what it is yet.
1: Here is a perfect circle. Judith. Okay. Like, this is where I would change it.
2: Yeah. God, this sound was so Judith, omnipresent. Chug it, chug it, chug it, It's
1: that chug of the guitar. Yeah. for click <laughs> oh, WPLJ click C100 but I'm
2: trying to listen to it now and is it better than Papa Roach?
1: click WFAN don't you dare about you just bang that AM FM toggle to check out Mike the Mad Dog Like, all right, I got to move out of this room.
2: If you're somebody who listens to music and you're like, I really like listening to the drums, I'm sure this is like a great song for you.
1: Is it a great drum song? I don't know. Maybe.
2: It kind of sounds like it right now, but I don't know.
1: There's nothing cool about this band. There's nothing cool (laughs) about the name of the song, Judith. There's nothing cool about the name, A Perfect Circle. There's nothing cool about their general vibe, which was hard Christian rock. There's nothing cool about the background of the song, which is... Oh, there's nothing cool about the lead singer's name. You know what? Everything, Maynard, Keenan.
2: everything about this sound. Tell me if you're in the same world. What color would you associate with this sound? Brown. What kind of brown? Like a sludgy. Like dark, a yellowy brown. Yeah, yeah like that's diarrhea all, brown. Like a sepia tone. Like that's all I hear. That's all I see when I hear this. Is this like, this like rusty brown. Bleh.
1: Like a giant rusty brown nail going to the heart of a puppy. <laughs>
2: It's just like a muted, yellowy brown, is what I just, it just, that's what it feels like. Maynard to me.
1: Keenan explains that the song is about his mother, Judith Marie Keenan, who suffered a stroke and was restricted to a wheelchair. Oh, come on, bro. A wheelchair for the rest of her life, yet still believed in Christianity. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so it's not about Judith Light. This is not a who's the boss type thing.
1: The music video for Judith was directed by David Fincher. Weird. Wow. So he's like fresh off seven, and he's like, oh, "I gotta get to that perfect circle shoot." <laughs> I'm a friend of Judith Marie Keenan.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, then never. Nope, nope, nope. Still no. Nope, still nope. no. Twenty-two years later, still no, no. No,
1: no, 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 no. I really apologize oh. to any Perfect Circle fans that were waiting for someone right. to do a top ten countdown from the modern rock tracks of two thousand. Yeah, yeah, and maybe we didn't give it the respect it deserved. I mean, maybe it was in a wheelchair.
2: Maybe we didn't give it the respect. it <laughs> Maybe. I don't think. Uh,
1: I, I a vert, a, a, what do you think is a better, like a uh, Christianity themed band name, a perfect circle or a vertical, vertical horizon. horizon I was I mean. <laughs> <definitely vertical> Horizon. <laughs> that's awesome the best name. Awesome name. Like you think about it. And if you're, if you have enough, like uh drugs in your system, you go, Oh yeah, man. A,
2: All right. Vertical. <laughs> Horizon. All right, man. I
1: get it. I get it.
2: And by the way, if you're if you're stone listening to Vertical Horizon, you're a loser. <laughs> Listen well, to be- you're
1: probably in like a gay conversion. Oh, game. that's a good point. Yeah, somewhere I don't mean to, in the mountains. I don't want to attack. I don't want to. I don't want to.
2: I don't want to attack those kids. You're right.
1: <laughs> you're dealing with enough.
2: Those perfect circle fans. And uh, I probably most of the people listening to this episode that know that we put one song on the Spotify throwback podcast playlist at the end of each episode. <laughs> They are probably so nervous that we're barreling towards a Papa Roach inclusion onto this playlist. I'm just saying, I'm sure a lot of people are really scared right now. If you've subscribed to this playlist, if you follow it, that might be coming. You've got to be really scared. I
1: mean, listen, Lifehouse is on the playlist. I know there's a
2: lot of crazy stuff on there, but I'm just thinking right now, if they're really hoping whatever this number one song is can save them. And I don't know what it is. I'm just saying they're probably hoping... The number one song. Oh, shit. oh, yes.
1: Someone's here to save you. His name is Scott Snap. Shall I see? Will I I
2: We're not a sing, idiot. (laughs) He has a voice like an (laughs) angel.
1: The tears of
3: joy. Oh, listen to the soft ass music behind this
1: big, dumb, husky
2: voice. I can't stop laughing at how dumb (laughs) this is.
1: It's funny. It's the third single from Creed's second studio album, Human Clay. It's called Human Clay. Because Jesus shapes us how we deserve to be shaped. What? (laughs) (laughs) It reached number one on the U.S. Billboard, not just the modern rock chart, but number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in November 2000, becoming the band's first and only song to top the chart. It also received honors at the Grammy Awards in 2001, nominated for Best Rock Vocal as well as Scott Stapp and Mark Tremonti, guitarist, winning the Grammy Award for Best Rock Song. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go, here we go, here we
3: go. Here we go. Yes! <laughs> yes!
1: According to staff, the song was written in 15 minutes at a sound check. No shit alert. <laughs> uh, he wrote out the lyrics of the song in early 1998 during the My Own Prison Tour when he found out that his then wife, then wife, she dumped him, Hillary Burnt, this is a little mean, that's mean-spirited.
2: <laughs> Why stop? Just go.
1: Was pregnant with their first child. Of course they named their child Jagger.
2: Oh, God. That is the
1: second time in this countdown Kid Rock mentioned Limp and the Stones, and now Scott Stapp's naming his firstborn son, Jagger. Can we stay out
2: of this? I mean... Can we leave the Stones out of this? If you like the Stones, stop making the shittiest music of all time. (laughs) Try to be more like them.
1: Here's a fascinating note, Bob.
2: This part's great. All right, yeah. All right, all right. (laughs)
1: According to Stapp, following the massive crossover success of the single, which he felt led to the song being heavily overplayed. Now, that's one thing he was right Okay, about. yeah. So much so that even his then-wife would turn away from it. Oh, imagine that. Your own wife's like, ugh, turn this off.
2: I I get that. I could see.
1: Uh, she hated him also.
2: That fact right, of- that helps. At that point.
1: And upon <laughs> hearing impersonations of other people mimicking his vocal delivery, In a dramatic, over-the-top fashion. He purposely began to alter his vocal style, which he feels has helped him grow as a vocalist. Wow. This from Stapp. I don't know where I picked up all the idiosyncrasies of how I enunciate, and I've been called out on my vowels. But it's actually helped me as a singer because I've heard that, and I've intentionally enunciated differently on different words and syllables. So thank you world for pointing out a consistent pattern early in my 20s so i could evolve and grow as a singer you made me better thank you assholes of the throwback podcast i
2: love scott Stapp yeah. now that's the most self-aware i've ever what heard a rock that star that. be ever and we did it we we did what we meant to do back then by shitting on this guy in dorm rooms across the country how about that wife of we his? fixed him
1: that wife of him like listen Turn this shit off, dude. That I'm would so be sick of this song. It's <laughs> like, whoa, this marriage is not going to make it.
2: <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? Emily? It's my song, baby. Can you imagine Emily ever turning off the Around the NFL podcast?
1: I can't imagine her turning it off. <laughs> that would be the most. Yeah, one. exactly. So She's there you go. Never heard the show before. <laughs> uh, all right. So there it is, Bob. Wow. What I, a time.
2: Ta- what a time to be alive. What's
1: the best Creed song, by the way? Well, no, this is our last chance to talk about them
2: no we'll talk about them forever
1: <laughs> because uh, there's only one right answer and it's the lead single off the next album yeah
2: play it yeah this is it
1: I mean, if you actually if you have a heart especially after Tuesday <laughs> it's one of those like
2: you needed this after Tuesday
1: yeah look there's a Tuesday and then there's a Wednesday no. and you need
2: some Wednesday all lowercase up,
1: now let's see if we can hear his voice sound different here.
2: Do you think it was this quickly that he made the, the change?
1: I think because he said like in, when that song was so huge Okay. led to it. All right, let's hear
2: Hello, my friend, Yeah, it's a little bit. Oh, yeah, I don't know. A little bit.
1: It's a little bit. That's a little different. There's less so- of a growl.
2: You yes. are with me, I'm
3: free, I'm
1: jealous,
3: i believe. Oh,
1: world I'm long also one of my favorite, they were the biggest rock thing going at this point, 2001, and they had a ton of money for everything, marketing and everything, including yeah. the album artwork, and they have this unbelievably funny um photoshop of them all their face yes into a it's tree so bad <laughs> it's so cheesy it's looking. so bad and then this video is a cgi car crash oh yeah there are many of those of this era and it's all like they're in a boat going through a uh, town that had been flooded that's right and he's reaching his hand out all christ-like to pull drowning people out of the water <laughs> at this point he he had grown his hair out exactly to Jesus's length as well. Yeah. So just like a little bit. Okay, we get it, Scott. Where you're at emotionally and I, mentally right I now. I wonder
2: what like the live Creed sort of relationship was at the time because I think, I think Ed wanted to be Jesus and then Scott Stapp came and was. So I'm curious. I'm
1: Sorry. I see a live acoustic version of My Sacrifice. So I'm going to stay away. It's going to be for me privately later.
2: Wait, the band live.
1: No, my sacrifice live acoustic by Creed.
2: Not live doing a cover.
1: I think Ed Qualcheck thinks that Scott Stapp is a wannabe. Yeah, I would think so too. Not that I have heard that on record.
2: No, but I would love a feud between those two in two thousand twenty-two. What a fight that would be! What a fight that would be!
1: All right, let's see. I would say if it was like a tag team match, it would be Ed and the drummer from the "I Alone" video that doesn't know what to do. Doesn't know what to do with himself, right? Confused. And, of course, it would be Stapp and Tremonti, the guitarist. Right. Who else is there? Don't even know. No one knows. No, no one knows. cares. Yeah. All right.
2: You Bob, what, it's time to pick us up. It is. You know what I do care about, Dan? All of our Patreones over on patreon.com slash throwbackpod. Yeah.
1: Should we say to the Patreones that we really do uh, appreciate your uh, patience? We are trying to do the show at a good frequency in 2022, but we've been extremely busy. I think because we're getting older and it's becoming... It's more work to do with kids and work, actual work stuff. So we're doing the best we can. We're trying to get to the show out there as much as possible. But when there have been those uh, dark periods, it's not because we don't want to do it. It's literally because we haven't been able to do it. I just wanted to get that
2: out there. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did. I mean, I'm not going away again this year that I know of. So hopefully with us both in the same state, we can get... A little closer to back on track, but I do appreciate everybody not giving us a hard time and not making us feel guilty for this terrible schedule that we're uh, submitting them to. Cut my life so into pieces. I want to thank them all for that, <laughs> and cut my life into pieces.
1: Uh, good. All right, Bob. Let's uh, no, nope, we got to thank
2: everybody individually, like Nancy oh, and Nancy K- and Kleiny, of course, our top cut tier my sponsors. Life into
1: pieces.
2: Okay, and Courtney and Wyatt.
1: Oh, you know we want you to. Cut my life into pieces.
2: Don't forget about Miles. Miles, please. Cut my life into pieces. And the one and only Bruno, the sponsor.
1: I mean, he's not hearing this, but I'll give it to him anyway. (laughs) Cut my life into pieces.
2: Everyone over on patreon.com slash throwbackpod, you're the reason we just can't quit this podcast. You cut
1: our heart into pieces, and we mean that in a positive way. I don't know how
2: that could be a positive, but... You're cutting a heart into pieces. That sounds terrible.
1: Well, this is our last resort.
2: You're right. This is our last resort. So looking at the ten songs that we just listened to plus the two that we tacked on, I don't think there's I don't think we have any other options. I think we're stuck. I mean, we can't I mean p-
1: to pick anything else, I feel it could be intellectually dishonest. We can't
2: put dynamite hack on there. That would get us canceled. That's kind of racist, yeah. I, they, yeah, I don't, I don't feel I good think about they that.
1: actually said the N-word at the beginning of the song. <laughs> I know,
2: that's not okay.
1: Like, I think Bob might have to go in a post and edit out that to keep us on the air. And me, working with the NFL. A
2: top 10 modern rock hit in 2000. A bunch of white guys dropping an N-bomb in the first 10 seconds of a but song. But it was ironic, man. I know, it was a different time. Uh... You know who
1: would never do that? Cut
2: my life Wouldn't. into
1: pieces. Not one racial slur <laughs> in any Papa Roach song. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know no for show, sure. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. There is not a whiff of uh, negative imagery or lyric imagery in those songs.
2: Can you make the argument for literally any other song on Fuck this planet? Fuck you, list? Bob. All right. I know no, it. I could.
1: You want me to make an argument? We'll okay. make an argument. Judith, I mean that woman was in a wheelchair. She believed in Jesus. <laughs> uh, no, uh,
2: Sour Girl. It's like the fourteenth best STP song.
1: No. What about? I tear my heart open. No, that's not. That's not eligible. Not eligible because no, that's you level. know that's a yeah. follow-up uh, Papa Roach single that is tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see anything that has... Now, if you want to get Eminem on there, you can. But but,
2: we did that album, and we picked a different song. We did
1: Marshall Mathers, that play,
2: Right. Didn't we do that one? I don't
1: know. I don't think we did. Did we? I think we did. Yeah, we did. If I had to guess, we would have picked... um,
2: I know what we picked. Drug drug Ballad. Yeah, Drug Ballad. yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, that answers that.
2: Yeah. Plus,
1: that wouldn't fit in well on a playlist. No. I
2: think I know it will fit in well on a playlist. Yeah Yes That's what it is
0: This is my last resort Bang Go
2: We can't be a podcast For people born in exactly 1980 And not have this on it Come on
1: So there you go Last Resort By Papa Roach Is the latest addition To the Throwback Podcast playlist
2: I just heard I just heard Every A Perfect Circle fan Scream in agony
1: Oh But Judith deserves it
2: In their sludgy Yellow brown houses
1: Yeah Terrible color (laughs) They're also Papa Roach fans, though, so maybe they'll be... They'll be a little happy. Yeah. They'll yeah. be like, all
2: right, as long... We get it. As
1: Papa got in on that. We get it. All right, so thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another yeah. episode. So please uh, be there for that. Thank you again for your patience. Uh, and until then...
2: You can still go fuck yourself. You can. Yeah.
1: Because this is my last resort.
0: I never realized I was fed too big. Playoffs, you're living, it's in sin. Devil's Barrow, where do I begin?